0: The podfather is back. We have episode number two here uh, with my father. He should live with me well. And we also have a special guest, my mother as well. I got both parents over here, the podfather, the podmom. We have to find a name for you, Ima. But How about just Ima? Ima is fine. Okay. It's not just. It's not just, of course. We did one episode on parenting because – You know, parents arrive home from the hospital with a baby and no instruction manual. They have no guide for how to raise this child. And they're responsible to raise a child, to be healthy, to be balanced, to be successful, to be productive, to be a contributor to society, to be responsible, to be a good citizen, to be a good Jew. There's a lot that is expected of parents and they just have no necessarily – no guide. No roadmap, no plan, no manual. And I was actually talking to one of my siblings and he asked me, he's like, do you know what you're doing with your kids? Do you have any idea? I said, I have no clue. <laughs> Before you have kids, everyone's so sure, you know, they, they have it all figured out. But once you have kids and, you know, they grow up and they're in different stages and you do feel like, you know, you reach situations where you don't really know how to, how to behave or what to do you do sometimes get a sense a sinking sense of, of of total lack of control and to help me but also to help the podcast audience i want to bring on my parents who thank god have raised nine children all healthy all balanced all successful in their own ways of course some more than others okay but that's to be expected and they, and they have the experience and they have the they have the scar tissue also to show for it and they've been through a lot, and they've really done a fantastic job. And they're going to be our guides to help us, please God, in our sacred pursuit of raising our children. So, Abba, it's great to have you back on the podcast. The, the first episode was very well received. Everyone wants more. Everyone's excited about the pod for you. The new hero, the new celebrity in town. How are things? It's so, so good to have you here.
1: Yankala, having you as a son is a celebrity enough. Hmm. I feel... This celebrity, <laughs> I just want to correct one thing that you said before you say that you bring a child from the hospital a baby without instructions I don't agree with that exactly because your emotions are your instructions you like the kid is it sweet to you is he your child so you have so much love for him that you need less instructions you just need to love the kid and just teach him how to be a better adult. But it, it's, you don't need a book. God didn't send a book along because he doesn't need a book. You have love and that is the main book. So, so really parenting is natural, what you're saying. Should be natural.
0: Parent loves, loves the child, cares about the child, thinks about the child, tries to guide and direct the child. And that is, it's natural. And really, really you should know how to do it innately. What do you, you say about that, Rima?
2: I think that you have to be a good example. That's number one. If you're a fine example, the kids pick up on that. Children pick up on that, and they follow. They follow suit. Um, I have a few a few ideas how to bring up children that has helped me, and I, I've shared it with others. And I think it. I, I'd be happy to share it with you now. The first thing I think is that say no as little as possible. Why, should it be, why shouldn't Why should there be positivity from the get-go? Say no as little as possible, but when you say no, children should know you mean it. You have to be consistent and stick to your guns.
0: So the kid wants ice cream, the kid wants pizza, wants Chinese food, wants new sneakers, wants to play on the PlayStation. Your default answer is yes.
2: Say yes, why not? But if you say no, you mean it. So kids know where they stand boundaries boundaries right children there should be a lot of love in between boundaries. children do well and they're they 're happy they need it, they want it, they want the boundaries because they know where the limit is
0: so w- what if the kid wants things that you think are harmful for them no they, oh, so if it, so if it 's harmful parent. at all it 's no
2: right you 're the parent don 't forget you're the parent. Don't forget you are the parent. Today it's a lot of challenge a lot of challenges out there. I'm not talking about the war that you would like to dwell upon, but there it's a challenging it's challenging to bring up children today much more than it was I think a decade ago and and more twice as, as much as it was two generations ago.
0: Okay. But let let's say this may or may not have happened to someone sitting in this room. We're, by the way, recording this in the Torch Center in Eastern Texas. My parents are here. The Torch Center has been elevated as a result. The previous episode we did via Zoom. I'm very excited to have y'all over here. Let's say this again might be totally hypothetical, but maybe it isn't. Let's say you are looking for something and you happen to be fiddling through your, you know, your kids' stuff, you're rummaging through your kid's stuff because you're looking for something. And you find, you know, a pack of cigarettes, let's say, or you find a, a little vaping device. So again, smoking cigarettes, everyone knows it's bad for you. Everyone knows it's harmful. It's bad for your lungs, but it's also, you know, if someone is, uh, you know, striving to be, you know, more refined member of society, you know, they're, they they want to go to yeshiva and they want to be involved in 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 higher pursuits. Maybe smoking is not the best. It's not the best pastime. It can be addictive. It's not a good thing. No one would say it's a good thing. So would you put your foot down firmly and say, this, no?
2: So first of all, I think you have to be very respectful of your children's privacy and not rummage through their stuff. But if you come upon something that is a no-no, maybe the best thing is to be open with them and tell them that you just happened to come upon it and discuss it. Open up the subject so they know where you stand and they know how you feel about it. Cigarettes is really a no-no. I remember myself when when um, the kids were growing up; they knew right away no, smoking is absolutely taboo. However, on Purim, I would take a cigarette out for myself and a cigarette for the, out for the kid, and we would smoke a little bit and
0: get it out of the get system. Get out of
2: the system, exactly. <sighs>
0: So, what, what would you say, uh, pops about this? You find the cigarettes, again, which is, it's something, it's not the worst thing in the world, you know, it's, it's no one would say this is like, it's not heroin, you're not finding meth, you know, this is not crack cocaine. It's cigarettes, it's bad. You find it in the kids, you weren't looking for it, I agree, you, you should respect the kid's privacy, the kid has to know that, you know, but let's say it happened by chance. What do you do?
1: My big problem is that the kid didn't know how to hide it enough. <laughs> 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 if, you do, if you do something that you shouldn't be doing, as you know you shouldn't have been doing that, please hide it well. Or maybe it's
0: a decoy. Maybe this, this is 4D chess over here. <laughs> this is the decoy for what they're really hiding. Who knows?
1: Well, uh, in my case, I would have told the kid what I went through in order to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Nobody stopped me from starting to smoke when I was pretty young. But it took a lot of effort and difficulty to stop smoking. And if you describe that to the child, I think you would have some thoughts about it. I mean, this is an addiction. Addiction is a horrible thing. It's very difficult to kick.
0: But in general, just as a matter of principle, would it be the proper philosophy to say, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to say yes, even if I have to clench my nose? Even have to say yes to things that I really wouldn't approve of because I want to say yes. And I'm willing to tolerate kids doing things that I don't agree with because it's okay. Let let, let them maybe get it out of their system or may, uh, you know, l- maybe if I allow them to do this, they want something which is really bad.
1: That's not – that wasn't uh, the way I dealt with my children. If I saw something wrong, I mentioned it. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't violent about it. <laughs> But I definitely mention it. It's wrong to do. It's wrong to do. And don't do it. And I mean, suggest to you not to do it because you grow up and you have this uh, habit, which is a bad habit. So, you know, don't get into bad habits. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wouldn't uh, overlook it, no. Mm -hmm. So the general principle
0: that everyone's agreeing with is we say yes when possible. When there's something which is really bad, we we mention it, we try to address it. And when there are things that you say no, either because they're really, really bad or because you just made a, a red line that you stick to come what may. That, that's a red line in the sand. And that is, as they say in Yeshivish, you heard That's a point, a, a, a point where you will not be crossed. I, I know I mentioned this in the podcast with my children. I, I do adopt a similar philosophy. And I told them, like, one thing I'm not going to allow is them to get a smartphone when they're young. I think it's so destructive. It's, it's, uh, on numerous dimensions. It, it's, it harms their ability to concentrate. It gives them quick dopamine fixes, quick pleasure. Scrolling is the new smoking, they say. They could expo- expose themselves to all, all sorts of terrible things. It really hampers them in every area of their development. And I told my kids, I said, I'm willing to do things that I really cannot stand. Like, a, I'll, I'll get you a car. I'll buy you a gun. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a Russian tank. That's what my mom always told my kids. I'll buy you a Russian tank. They sell them an eBay. He, Russia, I'll do whatever it is. This is what what I, what I won't do. Is that a fair?
1: present you presented very nicely. Like, I'm not trying to limit your kids. Yes. I want you to, to grab the world. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that I, 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 know as an adult that is are wrong to you in the long term. Yeah. So, so completely destructive. to destructive. Stop you as, as, as hard as I can from doing it.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, the, one of my kids,
1: okay, one of my kids,
0: Every three months, he needs new shoes. Every three months, he needs new shoes. I go crazy. What's wrong with the other shoes? But I I say, okay, fine. I'll get him shoes. You know, he doesn't need it. But, you know, we have a little debate over it. Do you really need it? He says, yeah, I need it. Because the other ones that have this problem, that problem, they don't really need it. But okay, we we have a whole little conversation about it. We tolerate it. But some some things they know, it's a red line. And hopefully that's a good a good policy.
2: I'd like to say that it's a good idea to trust your children. You trust your children, they come through for you. You, If you give them, you believe in them, they won't disappoint you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, not to be suspicious of them. Not to always accuse them of things.
2: And you know what? If that's the price to pay to have a, pair, a new pair of shoes every three months, so be it.
0: Worth it. Yes. Uh, Ima, what else do we have on, on your tips? So we have, say yes by default. Say no sparingly. When you, you do to- say no... You do say no, you, you hold a, a firm line. Trust them, believe in them. And
2: remember that the children do the best when they have boundaries. When they know where, they, where you stand, where they stand, it makes their life so much easier.
0: So what about, let's say, bedtime?
2: So my, our children used to laugh at me. I would say, as far as I'm concerned, you are sleeping. Remember that? It's past that?
0: your bedtime.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it was. Okay, suddenly they need, they're hungry, they need a drink. So whenever you're able to go with it, go. But
0: Uh, my my kids, they're like at night they want to just be up and chat and 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 read and be around, and and in the morning it's a nightmare to wake them up. But I'm not willing. I don't take a militant stand about about bedtime. So is that included in the boundaries where it's important to be firm about that, or that's one of those things? Okay, you know, we'll we'll be will will we'll be flexible enough.
2: There's no one way to do things. every child has different needs and every child is different and you have to be sensitive to what each child one of our children had difficulties falling asleep. So you have to be there has to be a little leeway on that. Now the the kid that's that's supposed to sleep at seven or eight o'clock and it's eleven o'clock and he's still hanging around. As far as I'm concerned, you're sleeping. <laughs> and that's, that's the way they, they grow up. Each one with their needs and their...
0: Beautiful. Uh, Mama, what's, what else is on, on your quick tips?
2: I wanna, my, a quick tip is, Abba says it, love your children, love your children. Children can never rebel against love. They can rebel about a lot of things, but love, hard to rebel against. So keep loving them.
0: Even if sometimes it's hard, <laughs> is that fair to say? I guess you know it's your children; you love them.
2: And I believe in I believe in hugging them and kissing them and physical love as well as as the emotional whatever whatever you can give them, you'll never be sorry. This was never. a theme
0: that came up in in the last episode: the importance of of loving your children and basing the relationship on love.
2: Well, it happens to be that it wasn't it wasn't too hard. I love my children; they're great. The, <laughs> So it, was, it wasn't was difficult for me to love them. And I still do, and I always will.
0: That was amazing, Ima. Incredible, wonderful. I want to talk about some other things that are happening in the world and maybe probe some of the questions of how we as parents navigate some of the difficulties that, or some of the situations that are happening in the world. So of course, we have the war in Gaza. There was a terrible, terrible terrorist attack where Hamas terrorists infiltrated Jewish towns and just indiscriminately slaughtered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of innocent people in, in the most brutal, brutal way. Some of the things that I read and that I heard about, like, are so grisly, are, are so cruel. It's just, it's an unimaginable what these people went through and what really, what they're going through. Think about the, the families of the hostages. I read that there's over a hundred bodies that they can't identify because they've been so destroyed beyond recognition. All they have is a lump of coal. Go figure out who that is. And these 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 families are plunged into this uncertainty. Is is their child? Is their parent? Is their relative in Gaza a hostage? Who knows what they're going through? Are they dead? And you just don't know. It? It's just a terrible, terrible c- circumstance. Of course, there's a war. And the war. Well, there's you know the, the tanks rolling in and the, the soldiers running in, rolling in, and you have the aerial strikes and there's a lot of video available. And the question that I want to maybe throw out over here is: is how do we how do we address this with our children? On one end, it's important for them to know we don't want our kids to be living. Shielded from everything, we don't believe in what's known as helicopter parenting, where the kid lives in a, like a bubble, never exposed to anything, because then they don't have the capacity to to engage with the real world. It, it's it's a big, it's a sharp wake up call for people when they get exposed to the big bad world. I think as as children, it's important for I think I think people for our children to know that as Jews, you know, we have a closer relationship with Hashem. And we have a, a heightened responsibility in the world. But are also, the, the, the reality of the world that we live in is that there is hatred towards us, and there has been throughout all times. And we've suffered tremendously, tremendously as a people. And that still exists, and it, it exists even in America today. So I think it's important for kids to know that, and, and maybe this war would be a good example of that, that, you know, innocent, innocent people were slaughtered. On the other hand, we don't want to scare them we don't want them to be terrified and to wet their beds and to to be paranoid so we want them to be sensitive but not to be terrified we want them to empathize with their brethren but not have that dominate their life and cripple them we we want to shield them but maybe not too much we don't want to we don't want to coddle them we don't want to Raise them in, in, a, in a completely hermetically sealed environment, so i obviously this is a general question, but specifically with respect to the war, what would be some ways to to parents maybe think about how to address this what to tell the kids what to not tell the kids how to address it
2: kids know more than we think we do they do they pick up from their friends from the society they they know a lot i myself personally i'm a child of Holocaust survivors. So I grew up with terrifying thoughts and till today it it affects me. I think the best way to to deal with the war that's going on is just to try to strengthen ourselves because not only are children scared, so are adults. To strengthen ourselves in, in our Muna and bitachon, to believe and to trust in Hashem and I've seen numerous clips of the soldiers before they went out to war. There is Shema, every, all these soldiers say it together, and then this shofar blowing, it's, it's awe-inspiring, absolutely. And you see that and you just try to strengthen yourself and realizing that everything is from Hashem, everything, and um, just get strength from that. Um and I I daven when I say oshe shalom I I really think that all the soldiers should come home safe and healthy to their families. It's it's serious times and but the feeling that I get is that it's almost like the days of David Hamelach when before they went out to war they davened and they said shema and they prepared themselves spiritually, emotionally, and that gives them strength and our strength and us strength to. To, to just to to exist today in these difficult, difficult times,
0: you I want to talk more about what it was like to grow up as a holo- as a descendant of as a daughter of Holocaust survivors. So you said that you you were fearful then, and you even have fears today because of 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 that experience. Did your parents tell you graphic stories? Did you read? Were you overexposed to that? Do you feel like maybe you should have gotten a little bit more of a sheltered, of, of an insulated childhood?
2: Actually, my parents didn't really speak about it. And that's many, many parents. And I'm, I'm absolutely, it's incredible that, uh, that any of the, that all the, the Holocaust survivors were able to lead normal lives, have family, wake up in the morning and, and smile. We can't imagine what they went through. My mother was in Auschwitz, and she survived. My father was in labor camps, slave labor, and they—they they were Zoha to raise a family. I think we're pretty pretty normal, and it—it's the Jews have suffered and have gone through, but they rebuild, they unite, they—they they start all over again, and their strength as a nation is unparalleled.
0: Unbelievable. But w- w- what were some of the experiences that you had So first
2: up? of all, when I come to a new place, I see, I look, where can I hide? If God forbid they're after me, where can I hide? And then as you mature, you realize that you can't hide. Hashem is with with us and whatever is destined to happen is going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. But do you feel like you, you got that paranoia, maybe we could call it. Or maybe it's real. Maybe it's real fear. They, I used to hear a joke. There was a joke that they said, why are the Jews all paranoid? So they said, all the ones who survived all these <laughs> thousands of years were the ones who were paranoid.
2: It's a bitter, a bitter laughter, huh?
0: It's, yeah, it's awful. But. Were you exposed to it in an overt way? Did your parents always say, where's the edge? That's what's the Who's that guy? Why is the look? No. Why look at me? So how did you pick that up? Was it just, was just in the, in the atmosphere? It
2: was in the atmosphere and I was always careful not to cause them any more anguish or agma snefish or any pain because they went through so much. I grew up a little bit in it with a guilt. It's a guilt generation.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting enough. I can't say the same thing, Figgy. Because um, you were also a, I'm also also like, a son of, uh, of a Holocaust survivor, my mother. My father did not go through the Holocaust. He was out of the country. Out of, he was in, he m- went through it, Sweden. It was peaceful, but it wasn't always clear it was going to be peaceful. But he didn't know. He didn't go through what my mother went through. Of course not. Okay, so my mother, and, and my mother was, he, she knew very well how to tell the stories of that, those days without scaring us.
2: However, till today, you you don't want to hear any more Holocaust stories.
1: Well, well, it's, it's it's overwhelming. I can't read any more about it. It's it's. I just now read the book from uh, uh, Benji's mother. Benji's mother, and I, I can't believe what she's telling over there. And I'm sure my mother went through the same things, but she never said it. We used to sit on Shabbos. My father went to sh- to yeshiva to give uh, shmuhs. And we stayed home, dark, with my, our mother, and she would tell us stories. But the stories were filtered. She didn't tell us the gooey stuff, uh-huh. the scary stuff. She did not scare us.
2: I was from the very, very fortunate ones to have a grandmother. Nobody, practically nobody, had a grandmother in that generation who had grandparents. They were
0: all, all killed in the war.
2: All killed in the war. Happened to be that when my mother and my aunt walked with my grandmother through the where they were in line for Mengele to to give them the point of finger right or left, and my grandmother was already a woman in her early fifties, and he said, "You're still young enough to work." And she, they point she went to the lachaim.
0: Wow. So. I, I want to really understand this more. So uh, if I'm doing the math correctly, so your mother, Bobby Esti, Ima, she survived. The other four, three grandparents were killed. Is that right? Were killed. And Abba, your paternal grandmother was killed in Riga in 1942. Right. And your maternal grandfather was killed in Sloboka. Was killed, yeah, in 1944. Right. And your other two grandparents passed away before of before right. natural causes. So and it, it's a fascinating thing that you're saying that your mother told you stories. Yeah, they were sanitized, they were filtered, but she told you stories. And did you feel like you have trauma from that? Do you feel like no. you have terror
1: from that? No. No, I know they went through very hard times. But I can't say that I had personal trauma, no. Mm. And and Ima did.
0: Ima did. I remember you saying, Ima, maybe this should be in the podcast, but I remember you saying that how your father would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night screaming.
2: That's right.
0: It's just we, we cannot fathom what these people went through. It's and unbelievable.
2: He was separated from. He, it's only him and his brother that survived. And when he was told that his, his brother was in Auschwitz, he didn't recognize his brother. He says he was skin and bones. Skin and bones. Skin and bones. As a matter of fact, my uncle was passed away. Y- Yidel Shapiro. He passed away about a year and a year and something ago, and he's they're buried in He's buried in Haramanujos. and I just spoke to my cousin last week, his daughter, and she said that there was an opportunity to have a, a burial spot in a different place. He said, "Oh no, I'm not going to be any place in, other than next to my brother wow. so the two brothers are buried next to each other
0: very close and you th- there was a story right when they after the war or t- towards the end of the war, they went on the the death marches. Is that right? You wanna tell that story?
2: Well my father, Rabbi Isaac Shapiro, was a very humble man, very never never um never demanded anything, never complained about anything. And he never told us that he when on the death march, he carried his brother for weeks. Wouldn't he wouldn't let let go of him. That's that's the closeness and that's the
0: So you never knew that story?
2: No. I only heard it after my father passed away from my cousin. Wow. Never. Never.
0: So it's an amazing thing that all the trauma and all the pain and all the tragedy and all the suffering, you didn't hear about it, but you felt it. But I guess you felt so. it.
2: I guess you could say And it say. kind of
0: filters down. It filters down. I, I have a terror that my kids are not going to know about this. They're not going to know about what, you know, every generation, it gets more and more removed from the, the collective conscious of our, our you're children right.
2: you're right it's scary to think the the world so Safta Allah Shalom wrote a book now why did she write a book she's also a very humble woman when they started being denial in the world that the Holocaust existed so she said that's it mm-hmm. she has to tell her story
0: and I, I get a sense reading that book Faith in the Night by my maternal well, I'm sorry my paternal grandmother Rivka Walmi. I get a sense that she told us one percent of what actually happened.
1: Yes, exactly what I said. Yes, yeah. She 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 hid everything inside everything the real bad things need't here. Did you ever get a sense that she was holding back? Oh, you could see the sadness in in her face when she was telling us the stories. It's usually in the dark. It was usually most of, uh, before before the end of Shabbos. It was dark already. Abba went to Yeshiva to speak to, to Yeshiva. And we were sitting around her, and she was telling us she was talking in the dark. So we didn't even see her expressions. Didn't, didn't someone say after she passed, didn't someone quote her as saying that she was never
0: happy? She, was never, she hadn't been happy since the, since the war. She just pretended.
1: I, I think I remember something like that, yes. She was yes. very warm. Very, very warm. warm, yes. Very warm. Yeah, we, we did not feel, unlike Ima, your mother, that she felt some sort of stress from her parents. I did not feel that. Wow. 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 So,
0: translating this to the war, are we saying to the current war, but really to anything that happens? I, I remember reading that um, Saba, so your father Abba, someone once asked him, how do we tell kids about or how do we deal with the fact that the kids hear about tragedies, about bad things happening, about people dying? And he said, "Kids, how do we tell adults about it?" He didn't like the question. I I feel like it's a it's a, it could be an opportunity to educate children. Children need to be educated, and they need to live in in, in a world. They, they need to have knowledge. They, need, they shouldn't live in la la land. They shouldn't live with a total. Uh, ignorance of everything that happens, everything
1: that could happen. Well, today's kids—they—they they know what's going on more or less, but doesn't mean that they need to know all the details. You know, the the horrible details, which I don't even know. I can't—I can watch those videos. They—they they want to watch and show it on online or whatever. I don't look at it. I can't see it. So I think I—I I, I protect myself. Not to To really be be exposed to everything. Mm -hmm. It's not for me. I I can't deal with it.
0: And what about the question of of anti-Semitism? Is it important that kids know that we're Jews and we have a target on our back? Is that something you would tell the children?
1: (laughs) They're going, don't like us. As, as nice faces to show us, but they don't want it. They don't want it. Is it important us. for kids to know that? I think they get the sense. I, I don't know. I wouldn't scare them with this. But it could be mentioned here mm-hmm. and there, yes.
0: So you would say something like, we're Jews, and we come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and our nation throughout our history has always been the subject of persecution, but Hashem watches over us. And there's there's a plan we survived. And we survived. And we'll continue to survive. Yes. What do you think about this, Mama?
2: I think there's nothing wrong with um, showing a little force to the guy who started up with your kids.
1: Mm-hmm. That's besides the
2: boy. <laughs> <laughs> when we lived in Brooklyn, there were there were some kids that were very uh, annoying, let's say. and they, Aggressive? Aggressive. And they really started up and Abba came over and said if you do if you don't stop harassing my children I'll show you a thing or two and
1: uh, that's not what I said I said you'll see your brains all <laughs> over the <this laughs> he said,
2: <laughs> 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 he said nothing gory right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but to them I can tell them exactly what I'm gonna do to them
2: <laughs> and, and the harassing stopped in other words there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself and defending yourself and Giving your children the feeling that you're you're that you're you're there for them, you're going to defend them and protect them as much as you can.
0: And, and in general, you would tell your your children if someone, let's say, hits them in school, hit them back, right? Oh, definitely. We we don't believe in just going like sheep. My to the father
1: slaughter. used to do the same, say the same thing. What
0: do your father say? Hit he, you, he hit him back. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> hit him back. Uh, okay, so let's let's uh, t- uh, talk about something which is, I guess, a little bit related. I think it's another one of those tricky dilemmas that parents have. That parents maybe maybe they don't have, but I certainly have it. And I think people who think deeply about the the upbringing and the chinuch, the education of their children, I think they have to encounter this dilemma at some point. And that's the question of 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 insularity. You know, we we as a community, you know, we're we're part of the Jewish community. And we sent our kids to Jewish schools and wanted to have a Jewish upbringing, right? to be exposed to Jewish values and Jewish priorities and Jewish culture and Jewish society and Jewish community. But of course, we, we don't live in, in Israel. We don't live outside of the general society. We're surrounded by other communities and other cultures and other ways of thinking and other philosophies. And on one hand, it's important for kids to have a certain background, a certain sense of how things work in the real world. On the other hand we want them to be to be Jewish and to to really be living as Jews and 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 valuing what our nation has traditionally valued and living the priorities and and ideals of a Jewish life. So how do you balance the exposure to secular to general culture on one hand yet to not be too insular that you kind of live in a little bubble away from the rest of the world? You know, we know that the Hasidic communities, they believe in much more insularity. So the, the kids don't speak English. At least they don't, they don't, they don't, they aren't taught in English. You know, they have Yiddish and, and they very much are distinctive in their way of, of dressing and in their communities. They have extreme insularity. On the other hand, we have maybe other communities that are much more exposed to the general world. So what's your philosophy or what are some ways of thinking about this, this dilemma? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, books, right? Are we going to have only Jewish books in our home? Uh Television, movies, sports, all those elements of secular culture, how much are you going to welcome in and how much are you going to embrace or tolerate and how much are you going to push back and say, no, 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 we, 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 we live for a different uh, set of values and we have a different way of living?
1: Well, if you repeat that statement once in a while, the kids get it. Exactly this statement that we are, Jewier- different and we want to stay different because mm-hmm. we are the chosen people so you know what you see in the street and they see everything the kids you can't close their ears and, and eyes they see what's going on in the world okay so they see what the, the other the other world looks like you have to be you have to show the, your way your world your world is a holier world and it's a healthier world mm-hmm.
0: You know, that during this conflict, we see, during this war in Gaza, we see a lot of Jews. Again, obviously not the majority, but there are many, many Jews who are calling for a ceasefire, who are even justifying the atrocities of Hamas, well, because of the occupation. And to me, this is an example of a failure of our community or of our communities to not instill Jewish values and Jewish priorities and Jewish ideals in, in in their children. If you expose yourself to the world, you you go you know, kids go on the internet and they go on social media and they 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 go on TikTok, go to all these places, they can read all sorts of things, and that will be very influential in molding their, their world view.
1: I don't think they should be exposed to these things. I I think we should protect the kids from being exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. On the other hand,
0: I, I once I once told someone, a friend of mine, a rabbi, I'm like, oh, just, just just, email me the PDF. <laughs> and he was like, how do I do that? So maybe there's too much insularity where someone is like really living as a Luddite, living, you know, like in the shtetl, and maybe that's a bit too much.
1: I think it's too much. What do you think,
0: Mom, about this? I don't think
2: there's anything wrong with him not knowing how to send that PDF or receive it. It's just, he has his life and he decided not to get in, not to become, I myself, I'm not so computer savvy, so I can relate to that. But, um, it's, it's a balance. Balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. You don't want your, you want your, your children to be somehow to be out, you know, exposed to a certain degree. But if it's taking a chance, let them be insular.
0: Mm-hmm. Better safe than sorry.
2: Yeah, and and they should always remember it's a good opportunity to say, have your children know that the world looks the all the nations of the world look upon the Jewish people as the light, and it's true. And there's so many ways that we could make a kiddush Hashem. Just being polite, being friendly to saying good morning and thank you, all these things. Show the world that we are the special nation that we are.
0: Yes, that's a beautiful point. I know that growing up, we had uh, exposure in our house. You know, there were some, you know, non-Jewish novels, newspapers, and magazines, and Reader's Digest. A flying,
2: flying magazine. Flying magazine, of
0: course. <laughs> yeah, U.S. News and World Report. You know, I don't feel like we were, we were insulated, you know, we were into sports. We used to listen to the radio. You know, we did have exposure.
2: Couldn't find you, Yanka, <laughs> by the neighbors watching a game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but by the neighbors, right? By the neighbors. Right. But by the neighbors. And I think it's another beautiful point to tell the children, not just, well, I think that in general, every parent should think about this question of how much to expose and make a line for themselves. But, the the actual engaging with this dilemma and the calculation, the trying to sense of what the proper boundaries that in itself is a productive exercise because you're in, you you make the lines that are appropriate for you, but it's important to have that or else you're, you're you're not doing maybe a good enough job as a parent. Like if you're not thinking about this, if you're just allowing open season, then maybe you're not doing enough of a job as a parent.
1: Right. So finding, f- finding you, know. find
0: the right, the right balance, whatever that is for you, but to think about this, it's an important element of, of parenting. And I, I love the idea of, of telling children, not just we're Jewish, we're the cho- chosen people, we have a higher uh, connection to Hashem, and we have more responsibilities, but we also have to display that. We have to demonstrate that. When we walk around, we have to live, live by a higher standard. I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful idea for kids to know. Like sorry, no. The world looks at us as representatives of Hashem, and therefore we have to live by that higher standard. And if it's okay for everyone else, not necessarily okay for us. No, sorry, it's not okay for us. So let's 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 go to the uh to the final um subject I wanted to talk about today. I was re-listening to what the Podfather said last time. And when we're talking about your, your successes in, in parenting with your children, and you said that all your children are successful and doing what they do best. That was the words that jumped out at me, doing what they do best. I thought that was an interesting line and, and maybe one that we should probe a bit further. What do you mean by saying that your kids are successful and they're doing what they do best? Talk to me about what you meant by that and, and what maybe are the lessons that we can learn from that. Way of thinking.
1: Look, look at yourself, Yaakov. If you would have wanted to be a big scientist, you would be the best big scientist. But that's not what you chose to do. You chose to do mikarav people to Hashem. It's a fact. You know why? Why a professor is more choshev than a rabbi in Houston, Texas? Maybe not, but in my eyes, you are more important than any professor in the world. What I'm saying is that we, you are doing whatever you're doing in such a good way. That's what I want for my children. I don't care if they're not uh, PhDs. I just don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not important to me. Important to me that they do productive stuff that help the the world, and that all my children do. So, but are you trying to say
0: that? Maybe every child has a different collection of skills, and a different, a different type, a different list of qualities and attributes and strengths that they can deploy. And it's important as a parent, but certainly as as a as a person, and as a parent, to try to help guide a child in a path that's appropriate for them and a path that's fitting for them.
1: But you can't tell what's appropriate for them; only they can. In other words, a person grows up and he sees, this is what I want to do. I want to be this. So he should be this, he or she. Okay? Whatever you, but what, when you do that, you do it the best way possible. And that's, the, that's what your parents are pushing you to do. You want to be in Kirov, The best Kirov guy in the world. You want to be in business? The best business guy in the world and so on. You want to be a Tamit Chacham? A big Tamit Chacham.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that uh, the the, positive, the verse says about Ishmael that Hashem was with him. This is in chapter twenty. We, we just read it this past week. I don't know when this podcast will be released, but we just read it recently. Hashem was with him, and he was an archer. He would shoot animals. He was a hunter. He was the best hunter there was. If you're gonna be a hunter, be the best. Be the best.
1: Be the best. In other words, use your kreches, your your strength in, into whatever you are you're pulled to do. You 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 need to do. You want to do.
0: Yeah. Whatever speaks to you. Whatever is fitting fits your skill set. Yeah. Mama, what do you think about uh, about this whole subject?
2: I have to agree with uh, with Abba who said that whatever you do whatever you do do the best you can and I always said if you do a job do it right remember how many times I used to say mm-hmm. if you do something do it the right way um we had we were blessed with wonderful children and they all are productive and uh, doing many good things for the for them for their families and for the world so I'm very proud of you all thank you for having us
0: this was a <laughs> lot of fun this was delightful to have you all in the Torch Center, on the podcast, the Podfather and the Podmom. We have to come up with a nickname, Mama, for you.
2: Pod <laughs> Pod Mama. Pod mama. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: uh, a lot of people don't feel or don't know that parenting is really supposed to be natural. They don't know. They don't know. And to hear that, to hear that from you and to hear you talk about some of the things that you did with your children – and some of the philosophies that you're sharing here. It's very helpful for people. Sometimes we don't know what we know. We don't realize what, what it is that we actually know and how valuable that could be for someone to know that. Because the things that come to us naturally or the things that we we really do well are things that we assume everyone else does well. And a lot of people are absolutely mystified by parenting, totally mystified, and they don't know what to do. And they and they and they want to raise their children well. But they just blunder. So they over control. They're very controlling. Exactly. Over control. But they think that that's the right thing to do because they don't know. So that's what we hear. Okay. That's what we hear. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, uh, so it's a real service, um, that, uh, that, that you have done. And I hope to have, uh, please God, many more episodes of the Podfather. Um, if someone wants to send in any questions, uh, we still have some questions. For next episode, um, some people submitted, but if there are more questions, please submit them. You can send them to me, com. And, um, mama, this was your first episode of the podcast. Yes,
2: it was. I would like to just add something that if, if you're in a dilemma or you don't know how to, to go to the next step with your children, ask around, uh, notice people that you, that you admire, that you admire their, the way they, they're bringing up their children or the way they, in, in general, in life, there are so many good people out there. You could try to emulate or you could ask them for advice and, and that will help you. Also, there's, there's another thing. If, if we, if we make a mistake with our children, which we're only human beings and we can make mistakes and we do make mistakes, nothing wrong by saying, you know what? I'm sorry I yelled at you. You didn't deserve it, or I'm sorry I yelled at you, or whatever, whatever it is that the mistake you did, it brings so much confidence into a child. It gives them such a, they feel so good, and they, it just makes the bond between you and your children greater.
0: So to admit when you failed, when you blundered,
2: apologize, it does wonders. It shows them that you're human, you're human, and we, we blunder. We also make, have mistakes.
0: Amazing. I'll uh, I'll make a note of that uh, for the next time I make a mistake. <laughs> 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 I don't know. In five hours? <laughs> uh, 2027. 20, I don't know. Well Whatever it happens. But, uh, Ima, you were great on the podcast.
1: Yes. Ima, Ima, is amazing. Thank you. You should, you should change the name. Make it Mama Cut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be
1: a, a, a star, Ima. And... <laughs> You, they're it was want an, you honor,
2: back. And an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me and, and Abba. And I want to wish all your listeners much, much success in their parenting.
0: Thank you so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next opportunity. And again, the email address is rabbiwalby at gmail.com.